So now I have the distinct pleasure to introduce my friend Maureen Muldoon, and many of you know her. But what I want to tell you about her is that Maureen is a writer, a speaker, a thought leader, the creative director of Voicebox, and the spiritual director of Sanctuary Community Center in Hinsdale. She's also Chicago's premier Course in Miracles teacher, and next month she will begin a weekly Course in Miracles service here at Bodie. Her mission is to support you in having your best life and the peace of mind to enjoy it. Now, that's what the paper says about Maureen, but I'm going to tell you what I know about my friend Maureen. And Maureen's the real deal. Like, you're going to get the real story today. And the thing that inspires me about Maureen is she actually practices what we teach, and she lives it every day. So please join me in welcoming Maureen Muldoon. So great to be here. So great to be back at Bodhi. Bodhi is such a rock star place to be, and I'm so happy to get to share it with you. So um, I want to tell you two things. Two miracles happened since the last time that I was here at Bodhi. And um, one of them is that, uh, like Amy said, Reverend Amy said, I opened my own spiritual center in Hinsdale. And when I first got the call, I was like, <laughs> yeah, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> because... Um, First of all, I was like, God, that ministerial license, I got it online for like 20 bucks. It's not official. <laughs> Helps me marry people, basically. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I, the, the continual call was just step forward knowing it's done. You know, just like that song said, like, stop worrying and just step forward and stop negating me and stop wrestling with me. Just do it, you know? Because I also said during that time, I was like, I guess I have to go to ministerial school. So I said to my parents that were going to help me. I said, I'm going to go to ministerial school. Hold tight. I'll be back in two years. So I sat still in, in, in silence, and I asked my internal teacher, where am I supposed to go to ministerial school? And it said to me, I didn't tell you to go to ministerial school. I said to open up a freaking church. And I was like, okay, gotcha. Got it now. I swear. I'll listen. So... Um, so then the next thing that happened was that uh, that was in November, and then in December, I got cancer for Christmas. And I was like, what? And I was like, you got the wrong girl again. This is really not for me. It's not on my wish list or my thing to do. It's not really. I didn't plan for this one. And, um, and you know, I wanted to say to God, like, I, I'm healthy, and I, I'm a vegetarian, you know? So... <laughs> Uh, but again, it was just like, just step forward and do the next right thing and trust me. And it turned out that that was such a blessing. It was a huge blessing that I can't even begin to tell you. And it was a miracle. And, um, you know, Einstein says that we can live our lives in one or two ways, as if nothing is a miracle or as if everything is a miracle. And I believe in miracles. If you know me, you know I believe in miracles. If you don't know me, I believe in miracles. And I also should tell you a few other things about myself. Uh, I curse, I cry, I laugh, I say inappropriate things from the pulpit, and I don't apologize for any of it. <laughs> because I'm invested in living from my big S self. I'm putting an S up there for you because Kate Miller, you know, she said, oh, I thought you were saying big ass self. And I was like, what am I, Kurt? No, I don't use that language. Me? No, big S self. 
but sort of your big ass too. That, that works as well. So, um, so how do we live from our big S self, you know? How do we actually step into our boldest version of ourselves? Well, I know a couple of ways is by, it's not by, it's by not playing small. It's by not being safe. It's by not ordering off the safe menu. It's by not following what other people are doing and trying to imitate what they're doing. It's by advocating for yourself. It's by asking for what you really need. It's by expecting miracles and accepting nothing but miracles. That's how you move into your boldest version of yourself. So we get these classrooms all the time because I'm with you. I'm with you on the journey, you know. It's not like I'm walking on water unless it's really frozen and then I actually can do that. Um, (laughs) um, uh, The way we do that is we get our classrooms every day. Every day we get to choose. Am I going to play it big here? Am I going to play it bold here? Or am I going to step back and let you edit me? Because life wants to edit us. Life loves to prune us. And sometimes it's necessary, but... I know the other day I was at a restaurant, and um, because of the cancer that I have, I've decided to make some decisions, and I went with this, um, this book that I read, um, Crazy Sexy Diet, a high-alkaline diet. And I'd already given up a lot. I had given up alcohol because I had to, and um, gave up meat a while ago. But this asked me to give up, like, sugar. I didn't think I'd ever give that up. Or caffeine. Like, that was, like, my breakfast was, like, pretty much sugar and caffeine. So I was like, what do I do? So um, I, I gave up all of these things, and I went to this restaurant with my husband, and I sat down and looked at the menu, and there was nothing I could eat on the menu. I was, even the vegetarian offering was, like, this mushroom immersed in cheese. And I was like, so I called the waiter over, and I said, can I, can I get, like, the spinach salad without any cheese on it? And could you, like, cook it for me because I want to eat something warm. And he was like, what? You want me to cook your salad? <laughs> I was like, I started feeling small. This is it. This is the opportunity. I either say, yeah, I want to advocate for myself or I want to please you. And a part of me is like, give me the steak. I'm good. Just give me the steak. I'll eat it, I swear. But I said, yeah, I, I, want, I want to have the salad. And that's just a simple example of how we have to like step past our uncomfort zones and be comfortable in our uncomfort zones. That's how we get to build a bigger version of ourselves, not by hiding underneath what other people want us to be. So um, uh, the, the way I got to know, really, my greatest teacher was my dad. And my dad gave me two permission slips when I left the house, and he had eight kids. So he gave us these two permission slips, and one of the permission slips was said to me, Maureen, you can be whatever you want to be. And the other permission slip he said to me was, do what makes you happy. Because, you know, our mom died when we were younger, so when I got the cancer thing, I was like, oh, my God, it's this again. Like, I have to change the story. That's another reason why I decided to give up all those things. Um, so he, he knew that life was short, and he said, do what makes you happy. So I was like, great, 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 because I, I actually know what makes me happy, Dad. I, I know what that is, um, because I was already doing it. You see, I had these five older sisters who were <laughs> lovely, but drama queens, like, unbelievable. Jersey drama queens, okay? It was like real life of, of you know, Jersey girls in my house. So um, they would come home, and they'd be like, he's such a jerk, and she's such a this, and da, 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 and they'd spill out this story on the kitchen table, and I'd be sitting there, you know, eating my Cheerios, reading the comics, because I never went anywhere, and, uh, and I would say things to them that would sort of help them shift their experience. And I loved doing that. I loved being able to be helpful to them and help them say, I could say the words that would help them shift their experience. And sometimes they would even say to me, like, Maureen, how do you, how do you know that? 
Uh, and I'd say, I don't know. It was sort of like asking the little kid in the emperor's new clothes, like, how did you know he was naked? Like, what was your first clue? Like, that's what it felt with me. I was like, his franken beans were blowing in the winds. Like, did, not, you not, did you not see that? No, it was like, it's kind of obvious, right? Shh. I'm not going to be asked back. I know that already, so <laughs> got to keep this clean. So, um, so, yeah, so I had that thing, and I wanted to do more of that. I was excited about knowing who I was here to be. I was really excited about that. So I went out to my tribe and my community, and I looked around for the people who were doing that, who were saying the words that helped shift people's experience, because I want to maybe get a mentor and see what my next step was. And I looked around my community, and I saw a whole group of them, and I was like, oh, my God, there they are. That's my people. They were called uh, priests. Yeah, so immediately I had a problem <laughs> to keep it clean. You know, one of these things was not like the others. One of these things just didn't belong. Yeah, yeah. I had a vagina. Yeah. Don't write that. <laughs> I still actually have a vagina. <laughs> True confession. Yeah. So anyway, I went to the nuns, and I said to the nuns, uh, how come there's no girl priests? And they answered me in only the way that they could. They said, don't be so bold. Now, Eleanor Roosevelt says that we should never accept a no from someone who does not have the authority to say yes. But I didn't know that. I was a kid. So I turned over my authority, and I stepped back. Because they didn't just say, don't be so bold. They basically said, don't say it, don't ask it, don't question it, don't go there, shut it down, don't do it. And it was a real clear message. And I'm a people pleaser. So I said, all right, I get it, I understand. Me, being in this body, will never be able to own any spiritual authority. Okay. Acceptance. So I decided, well, what else can I do to help say the words to help shift people's experience? There has to be something else on this menu that's the appropriate menu for me to order from. So I looked back on the menu, and I looked, and I looked, and I saw actress. And I was like, okay, I guess I could be an actress. That was okay. Nobody had a problem with that. So I went out to Hollywood, and I worked in television and film, and I you know, played the nosy neighbor on CSI, or I played a, a breastfeeding mother of a six-year-old on ER. That was kind of fun. <laughs> I know. Um, passions. One time I played a woman who got turned into an ape by a little witch, you know? And, um, and then I had a, a love scene as an ape, so that was funny. And uh, I got killed off on Dexter. And it was after I got killed off on Dexter that I was like, you know what? I was laying on the ground with blood all over me. And, and I looked up at the ceiling and I thought, I think I'm supposed to be doing something different. <laughs> I did. That was like a little wake-up call. I was like, is this what I'm here for, God? I think I'm supposed to. And God was like, yeah, you're supposed to be doing something different. Stop editing yourself. And that's why I got to my uncomfort zone. I got to the circumference of it. And I said, okay. I will step into what I'm really supposed to do here. But it's really scary because I know I'm going to have to do that one thing that I really, really, really do not want to do. That thing that we all have to do if we're really going to live bold, that you 
already done for by the very nature that you're sitting in a seat here, the thing that can keep you so small and safe, that thing that I did not want to do was I did not want to leave my tribe. I really love my tribe. I loved all the ritual around the Catholic Church. I loved all of it. But they couldn't see me for who I was. And so I had to do that thing I didn't want to do, and I had to step out. And as I stepped out, I started to look around for other places that saw me and gave me permission to, as my father had given me, be who I was and do what gave me joy. And God didn't just give me, God, my father didn't just give me that permission. That's permission that God has given me. That's the entitlement I get from my father. That's the entitlement you get from your father. We are entitled to miracles today. So I stepped out and I began to um, experience myself in this way. And as much as it was sort of a struggle getting through Hollywood, it was like getting the next job and the next job, it was kind of tough. But people said Hollywood's hard. It was hard because I wasn't supposed to be there. And I even, you know, even though I did still do a good job, but when I moved into who I was really here to be, it was like a hot knife through butter. I was like, oh, oh, this is effortless. Oh, this is what you're talking about. Okay. Because God didn't ask us to stress or struggle or worry or fear. We are not here to suffer. We are here to be in joy. And if you're not in joy, then there may be some adjustments that need to take place in your agreements of who you are. You might have to leave a tribe or two. So, um, <clears throat> I wanted to tell you a little bit about what it looks like when we first start to leave our tribe, when we first start to really shed some skin, when we first start to move into a bolder version of who we are. Two, one or two things can usually happen. We can kind of you know, play it small and say, I'm really going to live this big life and I'm going to be really who I'm here to be. And then we, instead of stepping frontward, we step sideways. We step sideways and we start to do this crazy making. We start to gossip about what we're supposed to be doing or who's doing what we're doing and how come we're not doing it. We start to talk sideways instead of directly to people. We have these uh, heavy drinking problems or we start to sleep late. We get into this drama. We make a mess. We start making a mess, and we pour all of our energy into these, what I call, misdirected creativity. It's just misdirected creativity, and you're plugged into the drama because you're afraid to step into the truth of who you are. The other thing is really just stepping into the truth of who you are, and it's scary, but it's so much more effortless than that crazy-making over there. And there's a way to tell the difference. When you are stepping sideways and making a mess of things, uh, that misdirected creativity serves you. It makes you feel good temporarily. But for sure, you will have a hangover. Whether it's an anger hangover or a sex hangover or a drinking hangover, you will get a hangover, and there's karma there. If you step into divinely directed creativity, you will serve everyone permanently. Everyone will benefit from your boldness. Everyone benefits from your boldness. That's not something we hear every day. We're mostly programmed to hear, don't be so bold, because what will happen with the rest of us? Don't leave the tribe. Keep it small. Play it safe. Stay here with me. This is good. This crazy making is good. It's working for us. Something's happening. It feels dramatic. (laughs) 
So I wanted to tell you a little story that came from this book, Mark Anthony Lord, uh, his book, Thou Shall Not Suffer. Chapter 7 is the, the chapter that we're covering today, giving yourself away, giving your big S self away. And there's a story in this book that he stumbled upon, it's so great, and it's what happens when we give ourselves away, when we stop ordering off the menu. And um, <clears throat> the story's about this kid named Mitchell. Mitchell was a basketball player down in El Paso, Texas, and he loved the game of basketball. He really, really, really wanted to play the game of basketball. But he had a physical disability that prevented him from playing the game. So uh, the team decided, we'll just make you our manager, okay? And you can sit on the bench and get us some towels and get us some water and do some rebound shots with us. But you can be the manager. And Mitchell was like, awesome. He was so happy to be the manager. So he showed up to every single game, and he did the best that he could. And his mom would come to every single game, and she would watch him play. She would watch him sit on the bench, and she felt like, okay, this is acceptance. This is acceptance. And then one day, the last game of the season, with 19 seconds left on the clock, the coach decides that he's going to order off the menu. And he looks at Mitchell, and he says, hey, Mitchell, you want to play basketball? Mitchell lights up like a Christmas tree. He's like, what? Yeah, I want to play basketball. What do you think I'm doing sitting here this whole time? And so he says, go ahead, go get, go get ready. He rips off his jacket. He gets out on the court. The whole team is so excited that Mitchell's going to get a chance to play, that they get lit up too. And they're like, oh, my God, Mitchell's here. He's going to play. He's going to play basketball with us. So we are going to ensure that not only is this the best 19 seconds of his life, but that he makes the final basket of the season. Let's do that for him. So they start to get him the ball, and he's, he's got the ball, and the, the whole auditorium, the gymnasium is going crazy because they all feel that energy. Something real has happened. Someone just ordered something that's not on the menu. What's going to happen? We don't know. It's exciting. It's real. Love is happening. There's an extension of God. You know, I, I like to think of the definition of, of a miracle is a natural extension of God's love that requires no sacrifice, the natural extension of God's love that requires no sacrifice. It's a natural extension of God's love that what? That's exactly right. And that feels scary to us because we are invested in it being hard. We really have this gene within us that says it can't be that easy. But it really does require no sacrifice. So he's, he's got the ball and he's dribbling the ball and he's looking up. <laughs> and he takes the ball up, and the crowd's going crazy. They're screaming, Mitchell, 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 and he shoots the ball up in the air. And it misses. The first try, it misses, you know. But they, they, they're a team. They get him the ball again. He's so excited, and he's like, okay. They're like, come on, Mitchell, you can do this. And he, he gets the ball up to the basket again, and he really looks at it this time. You know, he's playing basketball. He's going to make a basket. This is really awesome. So he puts the ball up in the air, and again, it, it, it misses. It misses. But there's 10 seconds left on the clock, and they are not going to quit. So the team gets the ball to him again. And Mitchell's like, okay, make a basket, make a basket. I've got to make a basket. I've got to make a basket. I'm playing basketball. And he shoots the ball up in the air. And everybody's holding their breath. And his mom, who's sitting in the auditorium, in the gymnasium, she's come here so many times to watch her kid warm the bench. And that was cool, but she didn't think she'd have to sit here and watch him fail and yet the basket misses again. And it's like game over because the whole team goes running down to the other basket. It's not going to happen, Mitchell, not this time. You have a physical disability. You can't play the game. So he turns, 
And he starts walking down the court to his team, and all of a sudden he hears somebody call his name that he doesn't recognize, and he turns back, and someone else on the court decides to order off the menu. It's Jonathan Martinez, and he has the ball. He's on the other team. And he says, hey, Mitchell, and Mitchell turns, and he shoots him the ball. Now Mitchell has the ball, and he's looking at Jonathan like, what are you doing? This is, I know, this is not how you play basketball. But at this point, all bets are off because we're not against each other anymore. We're all invested in something awesome happening, even the other team. And Jonathan looks at him and says, hey, Mitchell, go ahead. It's your turn. Shoot the ball. That's a kid that ordered something that was not taught in basketball camp. So Mitchell takes the ball up one more time. He's got three seconds left on the clock. He's dribbling, he's dribbling. He looks up. Everybody's holding their breath. There's not a sound in the whole gymnasium, and he shoots the ball up, and the only thing you can hear is the sound of a ball going through a basket. And the crowd goes crazy, right? They're like, yeah, and they come down, they swarm the place, and they're holding Mitchell up, and his mom says, I will never be able to think of that story again without crying. You've given me something that I did not know I would be able to have in my life. And that's amazing to me. That's what real is. That's when we order something real. And I know that because this story happened back in El Paso, Texas, like three years ago. And yet when we talk about this story today, we still feel that energetic idea of love. Like if it can happen there, it can happen here, and I can be a part of it. I can be a part of it. So the idea is for us to start to let go of our limited ideas. Anything is possible in God. When we say anything is possible in God, it's not just words that we spill out from our lips. we got to put our spiritual strength behind it and actually walk and talk as if that is so. We have to start, stop following the rules of the game and following the rules of our heart. That will never lead us astray. That will always lead us to something that is real and that is for us and not against us. So, I, uh, you know, being here at Bodhi has been just amazing for me because... You know, I feel like this is where I've gotten my permission slips corrected, you know. And just like Mitchell, he didn't, you know, he didn't ever think that he would play basketball. But God said it was possible, and man made it so, you know. And Mitchell's mom never thought that she would see her son play basketball, let alone make the final basket of the season. But God said it's possible, and man made it so. And I never thought that I would be a minister, (laughs) that I would be worthy of calling myself that. But God said it was possible, and love made it so. And Mark Anthony Lord really has passed me the ball time and time again until I felt confident enough to actually be able to stand in front of you and say that, even with my internet license. (laughs) A shabby old internet license. <laughs> it gets me there. So, you know, I want to tell you today that together we can do anything we set our minds to. Together we will see miracles where we once saw lack and limitation. We will see solutions where we once saw dead ends. As we commit to remembering that we are immersed in God's holy ecstasy and audaciousness, where all things are possible and where all things are perfect. 
and that we will know that this good is given to us not just for our own good, not to hoard it away and hide it away, but so that we might be fearless extensions of God's love, to give it away, to let it overflow from us, to give from our abundance, to give from our big S self. That little S self is going to say every time, I'm tapped out, I don't have it, it's, it's not here. The big S self says, yeah, we can do this, we can do this together. So I want to thank you for being a part of my big S self. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was amazing, Maureen. Thank you so much. So now it's time for us to pray. That's what we do here. So I just want to invite the spiritual counselors to stand and hold the space. Just invite everyone to take a deep breath. Just to know this loving presence of God that truly contains all possibilities, all miracles. The presence of love and grace itself that I am one with, that this entire Bodhi community is one with, this ever-present power of love. And so from this place of oneness, I just speak my word for the entire Bodhi community, knowing that we have all been lifted up today, knowing that we have been given our permission slip to say yes to our higher self. I know for each and every one of us that there is inspiration, there is courage, there is a new resolve to be who only we can be in the world. And I just know that we don't even need to figure out the how, we just need to say yes because God will do the rest. So surrender, let it go. Surrender, let it go. All the fears and the doubts, the suffering. Surrender, let it go. that God is the answer. God is the question itself, that God is the only thing that is expressing as our lives. And as we say yes to this, everything flows with absolute grace, with absolute ease, with absolute miracles. 
So I am grateful to know that this is the truth. I am grateful to know that God truly is all there is. And so it is.